0: Good morning, Amy, and welcome to the BU Find Happy podcast. I am really excited about all of the things that uh, we're going to talk about today, but, um, and most importantly, the great resignation. <laughs> but uh, before we get into that conversation, you have done so much cool stuff and, um, you know, been a, a women's coach and an organizational coach. And I am really excited to hear a little bit about your backstory and how you come
1: to where you are today. Thank you so much. I'm, ha- I'm happy to be here too, Michaela. So I guess the most pivotal experience I've had and what brought me here was getting out of college. And I had a terrible experience. I um, had done well. I went to Wellesley College and had a good GPA and I did everything I thought I was supposed to do. Um, excelled in sports and academics and um, had jobs, not internships during the summers because I needed to make money. But when the time came to graduate, graduate everybody was going to Wall Street this was late last century and I thought if I was the best and the brightest that's what I should do too and I failed miserably I had you know bought cute skirt suits and done everything I thought I was supposed to do and I couldn't even get an interview and I spent the next year working as an admin as it was I could type 90 words a minute and I got the best job that I could because of that and I spent the year teaching myself how to interview which meant learning what my friends were actually doing in those jobs, what the companies actually did and understanding what those roles meant and what it meant to have one of those roles. And the next year I got the first one that I interview, interviewed for right off the bat. And it turned out I really liked it and I was really good at it. And the only difference from the year before was that there was a lot of things that nobody had ever told me that I needed to know. So I kind of became a passionate uh, uh evangelist for teaching people what they needed to know in interviews right out of college. And as I went through my career, and I did have a long career of, uh, I started out as a banker after business school, became a management consultant for many years, and then an executive and a nonprofit executive. I built and sold a company along the way. And when I got to the point where I, I had a transition Midway in my career, too, where I also couldn't find any really good resources. And when I got to the point where I was in a second marriage and I, for the first time in my life, wasn't the main breadwinner, my husband said to me, What is it you really want to do? And I knew exactly what it was because I had always been the person when a colleague came into the office and said, oh my gosh, my nephew or my neighbor or my you know college friend's son is trying to get into this business and I'm going to have to help them. And I would always raise my hand and said, I'll help them, I'll help them. So it was really always a weird passion, but a passion that I followed to help people at that stage in their career uh, find and teach them what they needed to know. And um, it's something that I've loved doing the last 10 years. And I had put together the most basic, simple methodology I possibly could. And it turns out it works for professionals at all levels. So for 10 years, I've been working not only with new college grads, but also with professionals in transition at all levels and up to the C-suite. And of course, I love working with women because I really love sharing with them. Uh, how they have, should have a lot more confidence than they actually do and helping them focus on going for what they want and not just what they think they can get, which is something that a lot of us have trouble with understanding and really um, uh, getting, getting it through to us that we really should be going for what we want. Well,
0: you know, it's funny as you're talking, I was told a phrase a long time ago and it was your, you'll definitely get, uh, you'll, you'll, you'll never get what you don't ask for. yeah. And, um, you know, that's really true. If, if you're not asking, you're, you're not, no, one's going to go out of their way to extend it. And I think that we've kind of been conditioned that, um, we're not able to go after what we want. We're not able to clearly ask for it. It's, you know, kind of taboo if we do that sort of thing. And that's really some backwards thinking. We should not have any troubles asking for what we need. Um, and we shouldn't, it feels so trepidatious to ask for what we want. Talk to me about the Great Resignation. Talk to me a little bit about what is happening there and um, and why you're
1: seeing this and kind of just all together what's going on. Sure. So um, if I can just make one point about what you just said, where where I see it most clearly in women is uh, in the interview process. And I I really believe firmly that having seen it so many times, the job always goes to the person who wants it the most. And I think women are much more conditioned to not be as enthusiastic in an interview as possible. I think we're all trained to be a little bit more demure and not as likely to say, man, I want this job in an interview. And oftentimes that's what makes the difference in candidates. So that's one thing to think about for your listeners to really don't hold back on being enthusiastic in a job interview because that can get you a lot of what you want. Now, the great resignation, your actual question. So. There was a great McKinsey report that got published a couple of weeks ago that I that I has some great numbers I'll refer to, which is that since 2020, about 19 million professionals have changed jobs, which is crazy, but not as crazy as the fact that uh, based on a study that they did, their respondents said that about 40 percent of all their respondents are planning to change jobs in the next three to six months, and within that 40 percent, about 20 percent are certain to change jobs in the next three to six, three to six months. Now, a lot of that number obviously has to do with the pandemic. But if it were just the pandemic, maybe that number would have slowed by now. And it has not. And a lot of that has to do with what McKinsey is calling the um, mismatch of how employees have responded to the core reason for people leaving. And what they are saying is that uh, employers have responded with what they call a transactional approach. So if they are afraid that someone is leaving or a huge number of people are leaving, they'll say, oh, my gosh. I do not want to spend the time or the money to replace people. So I'm going to give these people a cash bonus, which is a transactional nature of uh, a fix, as opposed to a relational nature of of a fix, which is what McKinsey is saying would likely keep people, which would be an ongoing effort to keep people. Now, according to, I'll throw a couple more things at you before I give you my own opinion, which is according to Pew and Gallup research, Employees really want three things. Um, they, and, and They are as important as money. The first one is to feel valued and engaged by their employers. The second is to feel communicated with by their employees, by their employers. And the third is ed- education and career advancement. So, none of those three things are quick fixes. There's not, not, they're not problems you can throw money at. They are problems that will take time and investment in basic mis- business practices. And I'll go on to my anecdotal experience, uh, which, which are two basic things. The first is that since, since I joined the workforce late last century, Everything about business has changed from the way we um, produce, develop, um, innovate, uh, teach, market, um, distribute and produce goods. Everything has changed. And as leaders, as business leaders, we have had so much on our plate to just managed to stay away from extinction, that a lot of the time that we may have had to focus on basic business practices like investing in our employees' career advancement, investing in communicating with our employees, investing in our employees' um, education have really become digital roadkill, for lack of a better word, because we've all been forced with so much change and keeping on top of things that some of those basic management practices have gone by the wayside. So that's one. One thing, I don't think that management skills, actually managing people is particularly well valued in today's corporate environment. The second is that uh, what something I have seen again, anecdotally, time and time again, which is that my clients get have been gotten into a company and been promoted through the normal channels and inevitably almost to a person, at least one, two, or sometimes even three of their colleagues or managers or people who work for them have been uh, have left the company and not been replaced. And suddenly professionals are being asked to do the job of, of more than one FTE. And if people are doing the job of two or three FTEs consistently for a really long time, they get burnout and they feel undervalued and they feel that they're not being paid and they feel that nobody's care- caring about their career advancement. And that's the, what employees are citing consistently in these studies about why they're leaving their jobs oftentimes without a replacement job to go to.
0: Uh, And so, you know, in terms of kind of the modern day overwhelm, what are your general thoughts about the fact that we, you know, humans aren't programmed to be online 24-7? What are your thoughts about that?
1: Well, I think that there's no way that um, uh, we're getting be walking away entirely from a hybrid environment because people have gotten used to going to work in their slippers and without a commute and people like staying online. On the other hand, um, employees do need to be with in colleagues interacting. They need to be in an office, but they don't need to be in, off- in an office for the sake of being in an office. And what a lot of companies are doing right now is saying you need to come in one or two or even three days a week, kind of to check a box. So, what I hear people saying is, why do I need to be in an office when there's nobody else there? And they're not really saying, come into the office and be with your team and come in or come into the office and be with your manager. So I think what people are craving in terms of time away from their computer is the human connection. And we're kind of almost there, but not entirely. I think we want human connection, human collaboration, and the digital tools that we have only go so far. But on the employer side, we haven't quite gotten to the point where a digital you know, Zoom beer after work isn't quite the same as, for example, putting something together that's organic to a workflow, such as... Oh my
0: God, are people doing that? Are they having Zoom beer?
1: Yes. In fact...
0: You've got to be kidding me. That's not a thing, is it? <laughs> Cheers, Clank. I just broke my computer screen. Are you serious?
1: Yeah. And in fact, I was on a panel a couple of weeks ago where with um, a group of people and they said, how do we how do we make our employees more loyal to us? And someone said, well, we've been sending snack boxes to our remote employees and everyone kind of wrote down the name of the snack boxes. And I was like, oh, my God, you really think that's going to bind people to you? But, you know, something that's organic to the workflow as opposed to, you know, having people stay after work to do something or making people come into the office for no apparent reason. And we're kind of almost there, but it hasn't completely um, – people haven't really gotten the hang of it, obviously, because the numbers are still so high.
0: Wow. (laughs) I'm just utterly shocked. Um, You know, and I think that what's interesting to me, and I'm really curious about this, I've heard from a lot of friends, they said – you know, once the pandemic happened and we were able to work from home, it was kind of the death of the office in that they realized how productive they could be in such a short amount of time and still have time with their families or to run their children here or there. Do you think that we're not going back to the office? I mean, I I know the people that I know, especially in the Bay Area and San Diego, things like that. They're like, yeah, I'm not going back.
1: I'm not doing it. I think, I think, I think there's going to be hybrid is going to be here to stay, but I also think that companies are going to need to have people get together at some point. So I think that it has to shake out. I think we're still living in a period where everybody's trying to figure it out. I think some some companies are going to be able to demand a higher level of flexibility, and some industries are going to be able to demand a higher level of flexibility, and some industries are going to need to are going to need to command a higher level of collaboration, which is going to need to be some level of human involvement at some point. I don't think that zero days in the office is going to be an option for everybody. And I don't think five days in the office is like it was pre-COVID is going to work for anybody. But I think everybody's still figuring it out.
0: Um, that's, yeah, that's very interesting. So yeah, so to be clear, I think that uh, you're right, we we probably won't just be able to say no, we're never going back because there are jobs that just require that, Um. you know, the in office kind of stuff. But I do think that I- at least there's been a global shift in the way that people are looking at the work that they're doing. Yeah, I think I think. And so what about um, what about the ways in which people kind of had these realizations that maybe they were in jobs that they didn't like or that they weren't being paid well enough to do to take them away from their family time and things they enjoy? I mean, are you seeing globally that people are like, yeah, you know what? Screw this job. Like, I'm not doing it. I'm going to go find something else that brings me happiness.
1: I think that there's a lot of that out there. I think there's a lot of trepidation about doing that now with the economic situation the way it is, although the numbers don't report that out. I have a firm belief that there are always good jobs for good people and that, you know, with a a studied – um approach to getting away from what I call the Sunday night scaries, that everybody deserves to have that. And the the problem is you always you need to be running towards something and not away from something. So I heartily encourage anyone and I have a program to work with people to create a framework to think through exactly what it is that you like doing and are good at doing and want to be doing as opposed to just I don't want to be doing this. And I think you hear uh, the term, the great regret coming out of the great resignation, because I think en masse, a lot of people just left what they were doing because they, they ran away from something and not running towards something. So, and I think that possibly we're seeing the numbers still high also as an impact of people either going back to what they were doing before or going to something else new, hopefully, that they've thought about a lot and is something that they really want to go to. Again, history is still being written as we speak, and it's going to be interesting once this is over to learn, you know, how these things broke down and break out in terms of what people's motivations were, because we really don't know beyond the, the big numbers how things broke down in terms of segmentation of the population. But I do think that people have a tendency to make a decision, especially given, you know, the reasons why they're leaving are hard. I mean, doing the job of three people or feeling like nobody at your company cares how well you're doing or what you're doing. Those are pretty good reasons to just walk away. And if people are that burnt out, they're going to jump into something else. And it may not be something else that they necessarily want, which is going to leave room for a second jump. So I would, you know, I really hope that people and I've developed a product that I hope that I encourage people to use and has been popular so far because I really believe everybody deserves to really think through an opportunity to at this point in, in the history of the world to think through what it is they really enjoy doing are good at doing and then translate that into a role. And I believe everybody has the opportunity to transition, that most of the skills we have are highly transferable, that, um, you know, what stands between it is understanding a glossary. I think we all kind of get lost in the in the acronyms and the language of the job and the career that we're in. And we just need to let that go in order to talk to other people in other industries and the confidence, having the confidence to say, yes, the skills that I have are, are, are pure transferable to another skill, to another organization and another um, career, which are, you know, can be boiled down to things like collaborating well with people and paying attention to detail and being well organized and being able to perform in a high pressure environment. Those are the things that are valuable in any job anywhere. And those are the kinds of things that once you get to a certain level, those are, you know, really what you work on and how, what makes you a high performer.
0: And so what about people that um, are interested in creating more balance? We always hear this. I want more balance between my work and my play life. What do you recommend for that?
1: Yeah, that's an interesting one because that also comes up as a citation for why people are leaving in terms of work life balance. And I, I really haven't um, dealt too much with that. There is an, a, a module, and I'm sorry, I'm not I'm not trying to hawk my product on this, but the, the framework that I do about trying to define that before you start a career switch. So if What work-life balance means is very individual. So if what work-life balance means to me is to be able to um, not travel at all and have dinner with my family every night, You know, I can define that as what I want. For some people, that means being able to leave the office three afternoons a week to be able to go to a lacrosse game. But I think when people say they want work-life balance, they have to be able to define it. So it's a non-starter until you define what that means for yourself. And going forward, if you until you start a role and know again what it is that you want, Um, then I wouldn't recommend looking for something because you'll wind up somewhere else. Knowing what it is, exactly what you want and what you're going to is going to be a big help for a big step forward in helping you get it. So I work a lot, you know, with people, um, Gen Z and millennials, and they'll say, I want something that aligns with my values, and that's kind of the same thing. Well, do you want something that aligns with your global values? Do you want? Does that mean working every day for a company that is working to save the planet, or do you want something with your values? Do you want to work in a company in an office where everyone is kind every day? You need to define what that means to you specifically before you go out and start looking for the blueprint of what it is for your life. And I think the same is true for work-life balance because. It means something individual to everyone.
0: I love that. And uh, thank you so much and speaking of pitching the book where can people or the 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 module where can people learn more about what it is that you've got going on?
1: Sure, so my website is jobcoachamy.com and I'm all, most of my social uh, media is jobcoachamy. Uh I think TikTok is Uh, job coach Amy underscore and Twitter is job coach Amy F. And uh, my book, my first book is my first love, as I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, which is helping um, college students get into uh, professional roles that they love. And it's called College to Career Explained Tools, Skills and Confidence for Your Job Search. And on my website, I have Uh, Modules around how to um, uh, a checklist for career change, how to find joy joy in your career, as well as specific worksheets around networking and um, developing a resume and cover letter and a module I just put up uh, related to internships and how to land an internship. So um, as well as for people in transition and uh, information for executives, as well as the book.
0: Thank you so much for coming on the BU Find Happy podcast. It was a lovely conversation, and I look forward to having many more in the future. Thanks so much, Amy. Thank you, Michaela. I enjoyed it. Take care. This has been a BU Find Happy podcast. For more inspiration, check out the links.